What's happening, world? I'm your host, the Wizard of Waz, Benji Wozniak. And once again, we're back. And this time, we're going to do Smoking Aces. So, for those who have listened to the Bullet Train episode, I did reference this movie before. Um, it came out in 2006. It was one of the first things I saw Ryan Reynolds in. Have I seen it? I love it. I have a lot of love for this movie. But watching it again for this podcast made me realize some things that I definitely oh skipped before. But Ben, tell me your history with the movie. Uh, you told me to watch it, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> so classic. Amazing. So this movie, the reason I referenced in our bullet train episode is for those who have seen bullet train is about a bunch of different assassins trying to get one mark this movie follows the same idea except our protagonist instead of being a hitman is the fbi well one fbi agent i would say when we get to the ending i do like how it ended i do love a disillusionment with our government i thought that was super powerful and really cool even in 2006 but kind of crazy action Kind of, I don't know, when I think of movies like this and Snatch and Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and Layer Cake and all these kind of like early 2000s action movies, they feel so comforting to me because like they're very formulaic and you know exactly what you're going to get. And the action is always fun. Yeah. Yeah. I like so I liked it a lot. I sat there and I was watching it and they introduced like the different people, uh, the mob that was going to like come and try and get the mob's money, the million dollars put on uh, Israel's head. They're yeah. like, all right, there's a million dollars on this guy's head. They want his heart. Like, they want you to kill him and cut out his heart. And so I was like, wow, they really want this guy dead. They really want so, this guy dead. So you don't understand what's going on until, like, later on. But, like, you figure this guy messed up bad. And, like, he's a snitch. And, like, and so no one really knows why they want him dead. They just know that they want him dead. Yeah. So they bring in all these people, like, uh, the, the three brothers that are, like, psychotic and the, the two girls who are professional hitmen and then, this guy that can change faces and kills everybody. So they brought in like a whole bunch of people to do this. It was actually really interesting to see the different characters playing off each other. Like when they're fighting each other, it was really cool. I thought it was really cool. And I thought, so this movie is short where it could have been long. Yeah. And only, I only say that is because some, whereas the story makes not all the sense in the world. Parts of it, I think they could have expanded on to make more sense because they introduce so many different characters and they all intertwine in a way that's so fun, similar to Bullet Train. What really got me were all the cameos. Not, And I don't mean that because it was 2006, so not everyone was like a big star, but when you're watching it back, like Jason Bateman in the hotel room, that was crazy to me. Ben Affleck as the bail bondsman, crazy to me. Like these little characters who are huge names yeah. we're just like oh i'll be in this movie for five minutes like i don't care jason bateman jumping out of bed when he hears the thing and he's wearing a woman's bra made me crack up laughing. oh my god i was dying i was like oh my god what the hell am i watching <laughs> jason bateman as like the kinky manager like middleman for this killed me he he's like what is he into Every, everything i love it and no one shames him because but he's like okay he's clearly crazy so the movie are two protagonists are Mesner and Kaufman, or Kavanaugh, whatever Ray Liotta's name is. And Mesner is Ryan Reynolds. He's a young guy in the FBI. He's like, we're going to do stakeouts and catch the bad guy, and we're going to do all these things. And his storyline, to me, is the most interesting. Is he the most interesting character? No, but his storyline, to me, is the most interesting. So when I like how the movie is literally like maybe 20 minutes of exposition, where you could have had more, 
And then it's just balls to the wall violence. Like nothing else. (laughs) So getting into the killers, we have Alicia Keys. Crazy, right? And then Taraji P. Henson. And they're the two professional hitmen. I thought they were funny because the way the way women were written in 2006 is so interesting to me because they are smart and they are witty and they are creative. And Taraji has a great little monologue to the hotel. What is it called? Concierge when they're checking in or hotel front desk lady. But at the same time, they still use that reductive language to talk about women. I thought it was kind of crazy. I mean, okay, so let's get into the story. So everyone's after Buddy Israel, a magician in Vegas who became involved with the mob. Now, did you see the twist coming? No, I, I, I actually didn't. I knew nothing about this movie. So when you said, listen, you got to watch this movie because it's really good and you're going to love it. And there's a lot of stuff that happens. So I sat there and I watched it and I was like, oh, this is all right. So he wants to be a mob boss. Oh, he actually became a mob boss and he did all this stuff and he was killing people. And then he decides that he doesn't he got caught or something. And then he decides that he's going to turn uh, turn yeah. state evidence. And it was just like all this stuff was happening so quickly. I was like, all right, but they want him dead. Are they, do they want to kill him because he's a snitch? Or why do they want to kill him? Or because he did this, because he did that. So like they kept on having all these different like jumping around. So I was like, oh, what's going on? This is actually catching my attention a lot. Yeah. The storylines, it's very involved. So Buddy, being a magician, thinks that the rules don't apply to him because everything's an illusion. He can and he says this to Common in the bathroom. Oh my god, also Common's in this movie. It probably was his first acting role. He's amazing in it. Having him and Alicia Keys in it together, I was like, I want a spinoff movie where they like are their own thing because he's uh, like basically like a hired hand and bodyguard for Buddy Israel and then she's a professional hitman. So I thought their story, they'd be like a cool Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, and they left together. And they left together. Oh my God. Also, you know our show, spoilers, but when they shoot Taraje off screen, I was like, first of all, she was literally just chilling there. Like, yeah, you could have just arrested her. You didn't have to kill her. I mean, granted, she just killed a lot of people, but still. They didn't have to kill her. So Maddie. She was going to die. She was going to die. <laughs> she was going to die. I there know. Was no, there was no ifs and buts about it. And then I felt bad because she got disappointed because she did all this stuff thinking that her best friend and a love interest kind of yeah. was dead. And then she sees her alive at the bottom in a man's arms. So her heart's broken and then she gets shot. And then she gets shot. I was like, God. What a way to go. What a way to go. So we can talk about these two characters first because we've already started. I love their dynamic. I thought it was so interesting, though, because... Again, movies written by men are so wild to me, how they write women. It's like, have you ever talked to a woman? Like, they have them talking about men and sex workers in a way that is so derogatory. They use a lot of derogatory language and things like that. And then you see them have this love and respect to each other. But then at the same time, Taraji is also, like, constantly hitting on Alicia Keys in a way that's like, if it was a man, You'd be like, this guy fucking sucks. Yeah, sexual harassment. Sexual harassment. Like, oh, babe girl, like, let's share a bed, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, we laugh it off because it's two women. But like, and they did have all this love and care for each other. Obviously, they work together. But still, I just thought it was so interesting that you're going to have. I mean, you can just tell the male influence on it. So they were very interesting. Ben Affleck gets killed off immediately. And but one of his compatriots survives. Yes. And I thought his character was so funny because in this movie it's very focused on men so the trauma of of women goes like very like unnoticed specifically the grandma that nurses him back to health oh i wanted him to shoot the young kid 
Oh my god, I wanted him to shoot that young kid. Sucked. He was such a he's such a weenie. <laughs> he was such a weenie. But the little monologue that the grandma has, where she's telling him her whole story, I'm like, ma'am, how how are you? She's like so happy. She's a nurse. She's so happy. She's nursing this guy back to health. Come to find out, her her son, this little kid's father, is in jail for killing people and writing bad checks. And then her husband, because of the shame, kills himself. Yeah, hung himself. Hung himself. And she's like, so now it's just me and this little guy. Do, 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 do. You want some coffee? Here, these pills are for my hysterectomy. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, the casualness yeah. of it was so crazy. But the there's so much violence in that movie. Like, yeah, we're going to overlook this, like, one scene with this one woman. But I did like that cop character, and I like how he came back at the end to kill Chris Pine. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I, I the little like the little kid I'm talking about. He answers the door because he he rings the doorbell, but he's basically dying. He was got hypothermia. His fingers are cut off. And he was little, shot at. Yeah, this little kid's listening to gangster rap music, and he's like, "I will ball this fist up." <laughs> like he's just he's just such a little cocky bastard, and he's just like such a jerk to this character. And you just like at one point you just want to like like reach through the TV and smack him in the head and be like, "Look." Stop acting like this to an adult. You know, just just be a, be a normal kid because he just like wants to be this thug gangster punk, and it's like, and the grandmother like blow, blows it off, but like this kid's gonna be a future serial killer. Okay, but also like that grandma had a lot to deal with. Yeah, no, so did. we're not. But like at the same time, I thought it was so funny that it really shows like how men and boys are taught to kind of postulate in front of one another. And kind of put on this like tough persona. Whereas this cop was obvious. This ex-cop. He's an ex-cop. Ex-cop turned hitman I guess. Because yeah. he's going after Buddy Israel. Like whenever the grandma's in the room. The kid's like. like I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And then when it's just him and this guy. He's very like outwardly violent towards him. Trying to punch him. Calling him names. And all this stuff. And I think it's so funny. Because the guy. It shows like. If you're really strong. Versus you're postulating to be strong. There's always that like silent strength that this guy carries with him. Obviously, he's mature. He's a grown man. This kid's like maybe 12. But it, I just think it was really funny because this character is so reserved throughout the whole movie. He's like, I don't think we should do this job. I don't trust this. I don't want to do this. He ends up surviving an attack on his life. And to make it to the end and then kill someone without even looking at them, I thought was like, this man could have done it all along yeah. if it was just him. Yeah. Also, I thought that this movie kind of had this loner mentality because almost everyone failed except for the one guy who could change disguises and he was basically alone. Yeah, but he didn't really kill anybody. He was just, he was he in the room. Him. He killed Biggie. Did he? Yeah, he shot him. And then Common thought that he shot him because he was like, my loose gunfire killed my boy. But he killed him when he was pretending to be. Um, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. When he came in and pretended to be the other guy, he took and the he guy's face. Yeah, and he killed Joel Egerton too. Yeah. And he killed Voldalee too. So yeah. this dude, this dude was a killer. Yeah. I okay. So I have obviously so much to say about this movie. Let's get into the three brothers. Now, watching this movie initially, I blew past because it was so normalized in this film and didn't realize that they were neo Nazis. Yeah. And oh, white yeah. supremacists. Yeah. I was thirteen when I first saw this movie. Yeah. Did not register. I was like, oh, Chris Pine, he's so funny. I love him. Guys. Yeah, yeah, they were bad. They were really bad. They were really bad. But my favorite part is that Common and Alicia Keys kills them. Yeah. Well, with the exception of Chris Pine, but he dies at the end anyways. So is it hilarious that the guy falls on the chainsaw and saws himself in half? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It is pure comedy, you guys. Yeah. 
But irony too, irony. I, and ironic. And I thought visually there were some scenes that were so cool. Like when all the elevators go out and they have to light the flares and they're like smoking up the elevator to make this big dramatic like entrance on the penthouse. Very cool. This movie is hyper violent. Yes. Yes. In it is. such a fun way though. Yeah. The characterizations of all the different hitmen is just hysterical because like they're so different in the, their styles and method. The three brothers are just like kill everything, destroy everything, and then the one guy's methodical. He yeah. thinks things out, he plans things out, he just makes disguises, he's very like thinks things through. The other guy with the like the spike in his the one that cut shoot off his fingertips yeah the one he's very like sporadic he's very like you know tries not to kill anybody and then like if he has to he's just like i'm gonna execute but he feels bad but so this is what i'm so glad you brought this up because this is a point i wanted to talk about because we see it twice in this film we see it once with garcia the one that we're just talking about that has no fingertips and then we see it again with chris pine's character twice where this idea of killing someone and then getting their forgiveness or giving them gentle words to pass as they go. So with Garcia's character, the death we were just speaking about, he kills the head of security at the hotel to take his place and infiltrate the penthouse. While he's doing that, he's like, you're going to close your eyes. You're going to have a peaceful death. This isn't what you want to see. You're going to go to a good place. Like trying to like coax him and calm him and being like, this is okay. You were meant to die. I'm forgiven. Kind of like an, and we see that one other time. Actually, we kind of see it twice at the beginning after Chris Pine kills Ben Affleck, he actively takes moments of his time to say, I mean, it's a, it's a comedy scene, but he's moving Ben Affleck's mouth with his hand, miming the words, being like, oh, I forgive you. It's okay that you killed me. Really, bud? That's great. Thanks. Yeah. And then they throw his body into the ocean. like, And you see it again when Chris Pine and the ex-cop stand off because obviously the ex-cop is getting revenge for his friends, Ben Affleck and the other guy. I don't know another guy and he's like give me your car you did this to me and he's like oh okay and they ends up shooting him in the back obviously but and he's like well you forgive me right we all gotta do what we gotta do it's all good and he's like yeah and then he's like fuck this kills him so i just thought it was really interesting to have these like almost like morally not saying that they are morally grounded but in their minds these morally grounded killers yeah i think there's been studies and research on serial killers that like serial killers some serial killers actually want the people they kill to forgive them Oh, yeah. yeah they, I mean, they try to like they go back to the place where they've done it. Like, that's why, like, they'll say, you know, they come back to the scene of the crime It's because they, they go there seeking like, you know, some kind of redemption or like, you know, forgiveness from the person. They'll, they'll try and talk to him. Like, I didn't mean you know, I didn't want to kill you, but I had to kill you. Like, and they do all this like weird, like self-justification of the situations. Yeah, but that's just for themselves. That's self-justification. Yes. Like you still killed a person because you act on impulses and yeah. not on like I don't know, rationale, which is what I found so interesting about the brothers. They were very impulsive killers. Yes. Killing a whole thing. They did use the words kamikaze killers because they didn't care about their life at all when they were going into these situations. Then we have the one who does all the disguises, the one who's made it to the end, and the one that actually gets the closest. Smoot. Smoot. Suit. S-O-O-T. Yes. And his character was super interesting because we find out all along that he's actually not a hitman. He is a killer, but he was working with the heart surgeon. So the twist of the story is the twist. The twist is that the reason they want Buddy Israel's heart is that he's actually the son of the mob boss who put the hit on him. So the whole thing is to cover up the fact that this mob boss wants his heart to live, even though he's like eighty. Yeah, 
maybe 90. And there's a twist with the mob boss. We'll get to that after. And then there's another twist with the mob boss. Now, the one we thought was the most skilled killer actually was just someone to help the surgeon. Like, you even see him. He ha- He's putting on gloves. He's preparing, like, a needle. I mean, yes, he does kill two people prior, but that's just because his job was to infiltrate the gang, like, the close, the entourage. And Common left because he thought he killed his friend, which he didn't. Suit did. The only killer that could have won the million didn't even get it. Yeah. Didn't even kill him. So... We're going to talk about Common and Betty Israel and their friendship before we talk about the finale, which is the final twist of the movie. So I, Buddy Israel, I thought was dumb and smart at the same time. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes. So being a Vegas musician, being who he was coming to the SAS site, he was rules never applied to him. And he always based his decisions on luck. And I liked There's one scene where they really show this. He's talking on the phone with his lawyer and he's like, I'm giving them everything. I'm giving them this deal. I'm doing all of this. And as he's having this conversation, everything that he's saying is coming up in ace. It's coming up in ace. It's coming up in ace. He makes three decisions that come up aces. No, two decisions that come up aces and one decision that comes up a joker. And when the joker card comes up, he says, "Okay, take the deal. Stop fighting. And as soon as he makes that call, the next card he pulls is an ace. So in his mind, all his decisions are based on this one card deck. And I feel like that's really how he ran his life. You see it again when he's talking to Common in the bathroom. And he's like, "You." he's like, I control everything. I am an illusionist. You only see what I want you to see. And as he's doing this, he's doing a card trick. And Common's like, well, where I come from, that's not it. It's loyalty. I heard you on the phone. I know what you said. I've protected you. I got blood on my hands, so you didn't. I did X, Y, and Z, and now you're going to sell me out. You're not who you say you are, which I think we see when he's doing the whole like eye covering scene where he's like, who am I? He's crying. And he's on coke. And it's like, I get it. You're so sad. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting character to have, especially being played by Jeremy Piven, who always, I think, plays an asshole. Like, give me one role where he hasn't been an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. He does play a bad guy. He always plays a bad guy. So I thought that that casting was super interesting. But now to the final twist, the FBI pulls the deal. Yep. So now Buddy Israel is going to kill himself because he's like, the FBI is not going to put me in witness protection. All these people are already gunning for me. I'm just going to die. And before he does that, his heart goes into arrhythmia. Yeah, because of the cocaine. Because of all the, I mean, this dude is doing coke throughout the whole movie. It's insane that he didn't die earlier. So then Ryan Reynolds Ray Liotta gets shot. He dies. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds getting shot at, getting blown up. He's in the midst of all this violence and he's so angry. And he's like, the Bureau, I don't get what's happening. These decisions don't make sense to me. Blah, 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 blah. Turns out in the beginning of the movie, and I thought they did lay some really good Easter eggs. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting how they did it. Was it super clever? No, but it was interesting. It was fun, especially for a movie like this. It's a, only an hour and 40 minutes. So there's not much that you can do with that a lot of it was violence and it turns out that Speraza is actually an old FBI agent Heller who came up with the idea of going undercover deep deep undercover. deep deep undercover to the point of getting facial reconstructive surgery so what's the FBI do kills him or they think they kill him so they put a hit out on him saying that Speraza who is a made-up person by Heller killed Heller but it was really the FBI who killed Heller. And then Heller, with that vengeance, being like, I'm betrayed by my government, 
flips it actually becomes Sparaza and then runs this huge mafia empire for who knows how long. Years. Honestly, years. Maybe like 50 years. Yeah. Because he's old. So we have the government betraying one of their agents initially to start this event. We then see the government again betray Ryan Reynolds as an agent because Ray Liotta dies. They do nothing to help. And then they're saying that they're going to save Speranza because he's hellier and he's going to have all this wealth of knowledge of things that happened since before World War II. This is the thing. This guy was an agent before World War II and they're trying to save him. He's dead. Yeah, And there's no guarantee he would even give them the information because they betrayed him. They betrayed him. So then in what I think is the best scene of the movie, Ryan Reynolds flips out on Andy Garcia because he's obviously the director, of course. And then he goes into the room where Buddy Israel and Speranza, a.k.a. Heller are, takes off his badge, unloads his gun, and pulls the plug on both of them. And he's like, I'm going to get betrayed by my government. I'm going to betray my government. Now, I love this story about how you can get disillusioned by working with these bigger powers because you can. We have two ex-cops in the movie. One dies, one survives. And then we have the storyline of the FBI constantly throwing its own to the wolves for the better. I'm putting in quotes. I know you guys can't see me. For the better tea of the U.S. or of this bureaucracy. And it's just not true. Yep, yep. Because the stuff they do doesn't affect anybody but them. Exactly. And, like, you're going to keep a mob boss alive and you're going to risk all these innocent lives for what? Maybe some information that you may or may not even get. Yeah. I mean, the twist was good. There were two twists. Yeah. They're good. The violence is fun. Yeah, but I see, like, I see the government do this all the time where they look out for themselves. Oh, yeah. And, like, people that, like, work for them, dedicated their lives to them, get betrayed. They do. The government doesn't care because they're like, you know what? You served your purpose. We're done with you. Sorry. We have to move on. Exactly. You know, and it's like a broken relationship. You're in this abusive relationship where they take advantage of you. And then when they're done with you, they just cut all ties and then you're left high and dry. Exactly. And then we're supposed to beat our chests and be like, USA, USA. It's like, what has the U- the United States government done for its people? Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't see what they've done. No, nothing. I mean, nothing. <laughs> I, I just think it's funny because like we we will give people weapons to fight other countries. And then when those people realize that we're assholes and use them against us, we get mad at those people. Exactly. And I'm like, wait a minute, you gave them the guns in the first place that they're using against our soldiers. So you're basically enabling these people to advance themselves with better weaponry to fight the enemy until they become the enemy. Exactly. It's just crazy. And it's funny that this movie makes that point because out of all the random movies to make a point about the government not caring about people, Smoke and Aces didn't think it was going to be you, babe. But here we are. But it's fun. It's fun. It's violent. The characters are interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that all the characters had like these really great qualities that like make you adhere to their storylines. I mean, the three brothers, the neo Nazis, they're just some crazy assholes that like they don't care about killing innocent people to get this stuff done. They'll kill everybody and anybody to get their job done. Whereas the other ones were more calculating. They they didn't want to hurt innocent people unless yeah. they absolutely had to, you know? But then you find out the one brother he he actually does give a shit. He's like, you know, I want you to forgive me. So so it, it's, it plays off each other. It plays off each other in a way that's so interesting because it's like, I don't know, all the people that deserve to die, with the exceptions of Taraji P. Henson, who absolutely did not deserve to die, everyone who deserved to die kind of died. Yeah. Yep. Like, 
I would say Taraji P. Henson and Ray Liotta and like maybe Beanie were like the only exceptions to people who like I didn't want to see dead. But everyone else like kind of got what was coming to them. And I really I like a movie that holds its characters accountable in one way or the other. Like we had this band of crazy neo-Nazi killers. Guess what? They all died in the end. Yeah. Because that's what neo-Nazis should do. They should die. Yeah. I think that it was very much like Bullet Train with far as like the, the assassins and the the way they introduced them and their purposes and all the different things. Like, because in Bullet Train, the assassins are all different styles, different measures of killing someone. It was the same thing as Smoking Aces. All the, they were all different types of killers. Exactly. This is why Bullet Train made me think of this movie. It's like this movie kind of walked so Bullet Train could move at the speed of light, yeah, like, a was, bullet train. like a bullet train. <laughs> it was actually very good. So I suggest both movies. I think both movies were really well done. Absolutely. Uh, I've heard mixed reviews on Bullet Train. People are like, oh, well, listen, I watched it. If you watch it all the way through, it's good. Yes, Brad Pitt scenes should have been cut a little bit. But you know what? It is what it is. The movie was really well done. I think Tangerine and Lemon. They were the best characters. The best characters out of the whole thing. Uh, the other characters could have been better. Like, they could have made more of them. Like with um, They could have expanded on them. Yes, like with the, the Mexican killer. Yeah, Bad Bunny and Zazie Beats. Here's yeah. the thing. In Smoke and Aces, we get so much exposition. Granted, it's very quick. Yeah. But we get so much more exposition about all the characters than we did in Bullet Train. Yeah. They just, like, brief over it and, like, then they kill them. Yeah. I'm like, no, you got to expand a little bit on that. You can't just kill these people. Like, exactly. Like, you're like, oh, the, you know, the, the chemist. And then, like, she shows up and then they kill her real quick. And then, the, what do you call it? It was a bad bunny. Yeah. And he yeah. shows up and they kill him real quick. And I'm like, come on. I'm come like, on. Give him a little bit more, like, yeah. Oof. And I think in this movie, to sacrifice those characters for Brad Pitt was a direct choice by the studio. Whereas this movie, it kind of felt like just like for fun. Yeah. Everyone was there for fun. They killed the biggest name, Ben Affleck, in the first 20 minutes. Like, I like movies that do that. Like, granted, I did not like the neo Nazi characters, but I like that we got to see more of actual character development from kind of all these people instead of just one character. I like movies where, like, a star is willing to die. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I like stuff like that. I mean, when you're watching a movie and you're like, all right, like, they introduce someone and they're like, oh, my God, he's dead? What do you mean? Like, Scream with Drew Barrymore. Oh, fantastic. Drew Barrymore is the beginning of the movie. I'm like, oh, Drew Barrymore is going to be in this movie. Oh, no, she's not. Drew Barrymore (laughs) is going to be the main of this movie. She's the only name. Oh, wait. Yep, now she's not. Now she's not. I like stuff like that. Those those movies actually entertain. Yeah, just like this movie is very, it's very entertaining. Just know it came out in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, as you know, we cover movies spanning decades. Decades. So, so we're not afraid to do 2006. If we can do like 1960 and 50. We- I know. But it's just funny because, I mean, we can talk about the different times of movies. But like there's a very big push in, in the early 2000s where movies were bad. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they're good, but they're also like bad. <laughs> I, th- I think in some ways we're seeing that now. Like, oh, they're just, absolutely. They're just pumping out movies and they're just like, you know, this is going to be a great movie. And you're like, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, well, especially Marvel. Marvel's pumping out all these movies, and I'm like, oh, I'm so excited for them. Then I watch them, and I go, eh. Marvel's doing what DC did 10 years ago. Yeah, now DC's still doing the same thing they did 10 years ago, which is sad. Yeah, well, I mean, DC does not learn from their mistakes. So, all right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Shout out, Bullet Train, shout out, Smoke and Aces. I want you guys to watch both. Compare them. DM us. Tell us what you think. Add us. We're yes. always around. Yes, listen. Give us suggestions. We will definitely take them and we'll mention you. If you give us a suggestion on the podcast you suggest, we will mention you from the beginning until the end.
Exactly, because you've suggested a movie that we probably wouldn't have done. So yeah. we do this for you guys. I mean, we love to watch movies. We'll, we'll never stop that, but sharing our thoughts and feelings, that's what makes it fun. All right, so tune in next time to What's Happening. <laughs>